I'm from Quebec, Canada, from a city called Jonquière. I started studying physics with specialization in astrophysics and became enamored with the environment. And I actually became president of the environmental club. I did a switch and I started to apply what I learned in physics to the environment. So here is a water level gauge. Water level gauges, you know, are sparse points here and there. SWOT, on the other end, will give us these same types of measurement on the ocean, the lakes and rivers of the entire globe. The Mississippi River Delta currently is losing land at a rhythm of about one football field every hour. There are about 350 million people living on deltas around the world. They live from the fisheries, the agriculture, the aquaculture from those deltas. So if we lose those deltas, we're not only talking about losing land, we're also talking about losing livelihood for millions of people. SWOT data will give us a global perspective of how these deltas can survive and keep up with sea level rise and other impacts of climate change. Looking at the deltas around the world, it's an extremely dynamic area. It's like the river is dancing with the ocean. This work is meaningful to me. It has a direct impact on those millions of people that live from the resources of these deltas. So I think finally I found a meaning to all of my research. Coming to work every day, it's always really nice to know that the system that we're building will collect science data that will be spread publicly, that the data will help people. Hi, my name is Christine Jabara and I'm an integration test engineer at JPL. SWAT is an Earth orbiting satellite. It stands for Surface Water Ocean Topography, and it'll give us more accurate data on how the water levels, the freshwater and the saltwater levels, are changing with time. The day to day varies a lot. We're usually either setting up for a test, testing, breaking down from a test, or moving the spacecraft. The coolest parts of SWAT to me are the, like, the engineering bits that are slightly extreme. So I've really enjoyed working on the deployable antennas. It's nerve-wracking, but it's a well-rehearsed dance. And when the antennas actually deploy, they're really beautiful. They're moving slowly and intentionally, like a butterfly. I grew up in Houston, Texas. I was very lucky to be part of the Girl Scout sailing program, where they taught us not only how to sail, but they taught us the very basics of aerodynamics and how the sailboat worked. I became an aerospace engineer because of that program. The ability to say, oh, I know how this works, and then going to implement it in like a way that was fun and exciting was really rewarding. If I were to tell a little girl how to get into engineering, I would tell her just to get started in whatever way feels exciting and natural. It gets a lot easier once you just get started and start tinkering with things and building whatever excites you. It's not lost on me at all that I grew up sailing and I still love the water. and. The, the spacecraft that we're building will help us track our oceans and our lakes and our rivers. Hopefully we'll be able to sail for much, much longer in beautiful blue waters. When you turn the faucet, we take it automatically that the water will come. There's places in the world don't have these opportunities. My name is Tahani Amer, and I work at NASA as a program executive 
and I'm excited to be part of the SWAT team because water unites us all. SWAT is one of my missions and my function is to ensure SWAT mission success. Working with NASA will taught me one thing, is to be a team player and to work with hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. And you really need to appreciate everybody in the team and be able to work together. So collaborations and relationships build bridges and SWAT will be that bridge across the world. SWAT is a very unique project. We need to understand the water cycle in a lot of detail. And SWAT is going to be one of the first satellite that will measure global water. So we'll have a better understanding of our water and our water accessibility. We have to be able to understand the changes of the water around us, and then we can conserve water. My father used to work in water too. He used to work for the Nile River, for the high dam, in Egypt. Growing up in Egypt, my dad was always encouraging me. He said, uh, boys and girls, there is no difference between them. And my dad was the one who was really supporting me to do science. In my face gave me the confidence and the strength to do more so I can show the whole world that Muslim woman can do anything she wants to. One of my passions right now is making sure that everybody has a voice in the table and to have a pipeline with a new fresh ideas from young engineer and scientists. What I love about SWAT is water is the birth of everything. It's very rewarding to me that I can do even a baby steps to save our planet.
Live from the central coast of California, this is launch coverage of SWAT. are looking at Launch Complex 4E at Vandenberg Space Force Space. We are just about 45 minutes away from liftoff of this Falcon 9 rocket for the International Surface Water and Ocean Topography Mission, also known as SWAT. It's the first satellite mission to survey nearly all water on the Earth's surface. It will help researchers address some of the most pressing climate change questions of our time. Hello and welcome. I'm Raquel Villanueva with NASA Communications, and I'm joined by Nadia Vinograduva Schiffer. Welcome, Nadia. Good morning, Raquel. Now, she is the director of the Ocean Physics Program at NASA's Science Mission Directorate in the Earth Science Division. Nadia, as a mission scientist, what do you feel most excited about on this very early morning? Well, Raquel, we are launching SWAT, at our uh, next mission to track water on Earth's surface. It's been a long journey, 20 years uh, to make us, you know, to take us to the launch pad plus one day. So, and today, our water dreams are coming true. And why is it important to track all of Earth's water? Well, water is uh, life. Uh, there are 8 billion people uh, live on this planet and we all depend on water to survive and prosper. Uh, we use water to drink, uh, to grow our crops, uh, we use water to produce energy and support our economy. Uh, water is uh, what controls our climate and weather. Uh, so essentially, uh, water, uh, SWAT will track all of this water for the same reason as uh, uh, follows water on other planets because water is essential to life as we know it. Absolutely essential. I have plenty more questions for you coming up and we will be taking your questions throughout the broadcast. Send us your questions using the hashtag trackingworldwater to learn more about the SWAT mission. And NASA is celebrating the completion of its historic Artemis One flight test. The launch from Kennedy Space Center last month was viewed by millions around the world. While in orbit around the moon, the uncrewed Orion spacecraft gave us these breathtaking pictures. Absolutely stunning, Nadia. Take a look at that detail. Splashdown. From Tranquility Base to Taurus Littrow to the tranquil waters of the Pacific, the latest chapter of NASA's journey to the moon comes to a close. Orion, back on Earth. On Sunday, December 11th at 9.40 a.m. Pacific, Orion splashed down in the Pacific Ocean after a 26-day mission. The Artemis program will explore more of the moon than ever before and eventually land the first astronauts on Mars. 
Very exciting. Very exciting indeed, Raquel. In fact, Artemis and climate change are two priorities for the agency. And you know, Earth and Moon are directly connected as celestial bodies. We're looking how climate change might impact this Earth-Moon system. So there might be more connection between SWAT and Artemis. So stay tuned. Well, stay tuned for that connection. Now, let's introduce you to our team covering today's launch. Hundreds of people are gathered right now at our Hawks Nest viewing area. That's where NASA's, NASA's Jasmine Hopkins will talk with our experts. NASA's Megan Cruz and Denton Gibson will provide us with commentary from the Mission Director Center. Megan, NASA's Launch Services Program selected SpaceX to send SWAT into orbit. Yeah, and so for the last couple of hours, we've been listening to both NASA and SpaceX teams as they prepare for launch today. And great news, uh, both the vehicle and the spacecraft are healthy, uh, the range is green, and the weather is looking excellent, 100% go for launch. Yeah, absolutely, and which, is, which is, isn't always the case, but we have uh, great weather for this. Today. Yeah, I love hearing 100%. This is yeah. the first time I've actually heard 100% for, for yeah. a launch, so that's exciting. Uh, and commentating with me today is Denton Gibson. Um, he is a, a mission manager with NASA's Launch Services Program and the perfect person to chat with me today because before your current role, you used to work with SpaceX really closely. Yeah, for a long time, I was the Falcon 9 engineering team lead for the Launch Services Program. So, And I started working with, with the Falcon 9 when they we during our first mission with SpaceX. So uh, that was many years ago. Okay, yeah. many years ago. <laughs> but a lot of experience you add today. Yeah. So uh, the next big step for launch today is to start loading propellant into the rocket. Uh, just a few minutes ago, the NASA team gave the go for propellant load, but now we have to do a SpaceX poll, right? Right. And what the NASA poll is, they, they the various groups within NASA making sure everybody's ready to go. We just heard that poll. Everybody's good to go. And now the SpaceX team is going to confirm with the NASA team that we're we all ready to go. Okay, perfect. Here's a live look out at uh, uh, Launch Pad 4 East here at Vandenberg Space Force Base. Uh, we'll monitor the SpaceX poll that we just told you about, and then we'll check back in once fueling begins. Uh, back to you, Raquel and Nadia. Thank you. Uh, we have a fun way to interact with our launch broadcast right now. You can print out a SWAT bingo card. Nadia is holding one up here. It has different words on the card you'll hear while watching the show. To print one, just scan this QR code you see on your screen. We also have the website go.nasa.gov slash SWAT bingo. When you hear a word, mark it off. And when you get a bingo, share your win on social media with the hashtag tracking world water. It's a good way to stay awake. And yes, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, fun to play with kids during Christmas. Exactly. Now let's go over the specs of the SWAT satellite. It weighs more than 4,800 pounds at launch. The satellite is just over 16 feet in height. Its solar panels extend to more than 48 feet in length, about the size of a tennis court. It will cover over 90% of Earth's surface at least once every 21 days. And SWAT will increase our tracking of lakes from a few thousand to over a million. The mission is set to run for the next three years. SWAT is a joint mission between NASA and the French space agency CNES. JPL shipped the payload to France in the summer of 2021. For more than a year, engineers worked at Talis Elena Space to integrate and test the satellite. After a series of functional and environmental tests, it was ready for the trip from the Nice airport back to the U.S. 
In October, the satellite and its shipping container arrived at Vandenberg Space Force Base, where it was mated with the Falcon 9. Now, Nadia, this is a complex international partnership. Can you talk about some of the challenges the team faced? Well, we actually gel very well with all our partners, uh, CNES, uh, Canada, and UK Space Agency. We're currently a large multinational science team uh, spreading uh, six continents, you know, quite a soccer team, just like a, just like a World Cup. <laughs> exactly, and now you're all here today. Yes, we are. Well, water is fundamental for life. SWAT will help us understand where Earth's water is today, where it is coming from, and where it will be tomorrow. Take a look. So for me, SWAT is water. SWAT is precision. In one word, I would describe SWAT as beautiful. SWAT stands for Surface, Water, and Ocean Topography. SWAT will be observing the elevation of water surface in the ocean, on the land. The water surface height will allow us to assess the water storage in lakes and stream flow of rivers. Our water is one of our precious resources. SWAT is unique because it is the first global view of our ever-changing water supply on Earth. SWAT's main instrument is called CAIRN, which is the K-Band Radar Interferometer. CAIRN is what sets apart SWAT from other missions. It's a unique instrument that we're flying for the first time. The CAIRN instrument uses the two antennas, which are spread out on either side of the spacecraft, in order to bounce signals off of both of those to get a much larger view of the surface. And being able to do it in very high resolution, higher accuracy, and also a wide swath so that we're able to measure large tracks over the Earth in a relatively small amount of time. SWAT is a Pathfinder mission using new technology to address transformative questions on climate change and its impact on our environment. We're collaborating with CNES, the French Space Agency, for these programs, but we're also helping the global community to be able to contribute and collaborate towards making our home planet a better place. SWAT will make our models better and understanding the water budget helps us be able to steward that precious resource. If water is out of balance, we could face droughts and it could also lead to floods. SWAT is going to be observing water in oceans and ocean science is essential for understanding sea level rise and climate change. Now we are facing a time that we need to be very precise. Therefore, we can accurately predict what will happen in our coastal cities 50 years from now. Understanding that it is a finite source and we can't rely on that forever is something that's really important. I'm just so excited and can't wait to see how it impacts the lives of others. Without really understanding the Earth, we cannot protect it because we know that the missions that we work on are going to have an impact on our children and our grandchildren. NASA has a family of satellites in orbit right now, studying how the whole Earth works as a system. Karen St. Germain is NASA's director of the Earth Science Division. Thank you for joining us today, Karen. It's great to be here. And what kind of role will SWAT play in NASA's fleet of Earth-observing satellites? Well, NASA has a fleet of 25 satellites today, uh, missions that are looking down at Earth, at the atmosphere, at the land, at the ice, and the, and the oceans. 
And uh, these satellites tell us how the Earth works as a system. But SWAT, we, as we know, our, our, our planet is that we're, we live on a water planet. And so SWAT will give us the first high definition view of not just our oceans, but the inland waters as well. And uh, you know, and these, these uh, waters play an important role in climate change and in everyday lives. So it will be an exciting addition to the family. Absolutely. Now, what can we learn through space-based tools like satellites that we can't gather here on Earth? Well, space is, is the ultimate high ground. It, it's, a, it's a unique vantage point from which we can see the entire Earth. And that's especially important when we're looking at parts of the Earth that are remote, difficult for humans to get to. And I'll just give you one example. The southern oceans play an incredibly important role in our climate. They've absorbed more than a, uh, well, the oceans in total have absorbed about a quarter of the carbon dioxide, the greenhouse gases that have um, been emitted in the industrial age. The southern oceans, because they're cold, play an incredibly important role. So set from the, from the unique vantage point of space, we can see these remote areas and better understand how they play into the global system. And Karen, just uh, going forward, how do you see SWAT being a trailblazer for the next Earth science mission over the next decade? It's a great question. And you know, we are already hard at work building the next generation of Earth-observing satellites. And these will also look at all the aspects of the Earth system, but just as important as what we're doing is how we're doing it, with open science principles to try to accelerate the pace of discovery from these systems, and with partners around the world. Uh, so SWAT is in many ways blazing the trail for how we will develop that next generation of capabilities to accelerate discovery and the use of the data to inform decisions around the world. Hey Karen, how are you feeling about today's launch? I can, could not be more <laughs> excited. We've been waiting for the SWAT launch and, uh, and as the team has gone through the, the challenges that you discussed a few moments ago, um, and so it's been a long road to get here and we are so excited, we cannot wait. Oh, it's very exciting. Thank you so much, Karen, thank you. for joining and enjoy us. Enjoy the lunch. <laughs> we all will. All right, thank you so much. Now it is T minus 32 minutes and counting to today's launch of the SWAT satellite. Let's check in on launch operations. Megan is live. Megan, preparations for this launch began hours ago. So where do we stand right now? Yeah, so Falcon 9 fueling is underway. SpaceX's launch director uh, gave the go for propellant loading about a couple of minutes ago. So now um, liquid oxygen and RP-1, or rocket-grade kerosene, both are going in uh, to the rocket's first stage. Right, correctly. And it's, it's underway, and everything is going smooth so far. No issues to report. Perfect. So if you take a live look at the pad here, a beautiful shot of uh, the payload fairing there with SWAT tucked safely inside. Um, you know, Denton, we uh, talked about why SpaceX starts fueling so close to launch. You know, why, why um, when other launch providers start hours earlier? Yeah, and one of the main reasons, they're using densified propellants. So they're very, very cold. And that way it allows them to fit more fuel and oxygizer into a tank without having to increase the size of the tank. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why it's so close to launch is that you don't want those uh, densified propellants to heat up any, and that will cause a lot of um, 
cause you to kind of bleed off some of your, your oxide, etc. So, and that's why they they do it so close to launch. It doesn't give that team that fuel and those uh, those propellants much time to heat up. Mm -hmm. And as we look at this live picture here, you can see that telltale sign of soot on the booster. There, that means it's it's flown to space before. Yes, this this thing has flown five times before this, and it's a combination of uh, space force missions as well as some commercial missions. So we do have some familiarity with this booster, and and the soot is just just a little seasoning on the booster. <laughs> some <it>. seasoning. <laughs> I love how you say that. Okay, well, perfect. So far, so good. A really quiet count. You know, we're hearing the callouts. We're expecting uh, nothing out of the ordinary. So uh, again, so far, so good. So we'll send it back to you guys, Raquel and Nadia. Thanks for the update. We'll go back to our commentators as we get closer to launch in just a few minutes. But first, we have some questions to answer about the SWAT mission and water. Our first question is from a student. Here's Meadow. Hi, my name is Meadow. I'm seven years old and I live in Studio City, California. I wonder how much water is on planet Earth. Hi, Meadow. Uh, good question. There are more than billion cubic kilometers of water on Earth. A lot of water, Raquel. It's a lot of water. <laughs> so thanks for your question, Meadow. And we have a social media question coming up as well. Let's see it. Um, at Kawan wants to know, what is the most important thing to know as a NASA scientist? Uh, to know as a NASA scientist, well, mm -hmm. uh, hard work, um, some math and physics is a, is, is a good skill and to have fun while doing it. And you possess those all, Daria. <laughs> we have another question coming up. Zeros and Math wants to know, what's the accuracy of SWAT? We are shooting for centimeter precision with SWAT. It's a very precise uh, mission. We are improving our accuracy about 10x compared to our current observing capability of the ocean water and, and inland waters as well. All right, thank you. All right, we have one more question coming in. Kevin Rainville wants to know, will it give us the rate of sea level rise? We will definitely observe the rising oceans and rising sea, particularly close to the coast. And as we collect more and more data, we can estimate the rate, which is, you know, the change over a certain period. This is what the rate is. Yes, excellent question. Yes, it was. Now, remember, you can send your questions online by using the hashtag trackingworldwater. Now, you are looking live to the launch pad right now. We are T minus 28 minutes to lift off. SWAT data will help researchers better understand the ocean's role in climate change. Let's go to Jasmine live at the Hawk's Nest to learn more about the mission's science. Thank you, Raquel, and welcome to the Hawk's Nest. This is the main viewing location at Vandenberg, and there are over 500 guests scheduled to be in the surrounding area tonight, and right now I'm thrilled to be joined by Li Luangfu, the SWAT project scientist who's been working on water monitoring missions for over two decades. Welcome, Lee. Thank you very much, Jasmine. Of course. It's a pleasure to be here. We are so glad to have you. It is very special. Can you tell me what are the main science goals of SWAT? Yeah, the main science goals are to better understand the ocean's role in climate change and how in a warming climate is uh, affecting the Earth's uh, rivers, lakes, and the reservoirs. So more than 90% of the heat since the <coughs> Industrial Revolution, the global warming has been absorbed and stored in the deep sea. SWAT will provide a high-definition view 
of ocean topography for calculating ocean currents that transport the heat from the atmosphere to the deep sea. So the data will help improve ocean models to assess the ocean's capacity in the future to keep absorbing heat, protect humanity from global warming. And also in a warming climate, the water cycle of Earth is accelerating making it very difficult to track and manage water resources and also difficult to predict flood and droughts. So most of the lakes, rivers are not well sampled, but the SWAT for the first time will provide a global survey of the elevation of uh, the lake storage of water and the flow rates of river, allow us to better model and so, so manage the water resources and predict floods and droughts. This is in a nutshell. <laughs> right, right, the very good in a nutshell. Yeah. And I like that you said that this is the first time that we're seeing something like this. So what sets SWAT apart from previous uh, satellites? Yeah, it's all about the spatial resolution and the coverage. For instance, the footprint of the radar on SWAT is a thousand times smaller than conventional altimeter, making this spatial resolution of a SWAT much, much higher. And also, it will cover all the ocean and the surface water without any gaps between 78 degrees north and the south. Wow, wow. So, so we're getting something we've never seen before. And Lee, you've been working on SWAT since the beginning for 20 years. What does it feel like to be here for launch? Yeah, this mission is 20 years in the making. And uh, uh, this is the fourth satellite mission. I serve as a project scientist. So, uh, but this mission is the most complex and challenging, representing the culmination of my 40 plus years career at the JPL working on oceanography from space. So my feeling now is, uh, is a mixture of excitement, fulfillment, and also some anxiety. Right, he has a little bit of anxiety. I know that yeah. you and your team will uh, breathe a sigh of relief when we're done tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Raquel, back to you. Thank you, Jasmine and Lee. The SWAT satellite is truly a remarkable spacecraft. Earlier, I got a chance to look at it up close with SWAT project manager Parag Vaze. Parag, we're standing here in front of a one-third scale model of SWAT. So can you tell us a little bit more about the key scientific instruments on board? Absolutely. So uh, on this model, um, of course, uh, you see the full spacecraft, but the instrument package is really on this configuration, first featured with uh, our brand new instrument called the Karen K-band radar interferometer. What makes it an interferometer is really having a radar uh, with signals that are transmitted and received from two separate antennas that are separated by a large distance. We also need other instruments um, to make SWAT work. Um, we have a radar altimeter, which is a more traditional kind of altimeter, gives us precise but very small strip maps. We have a microwave radiometer that's used to correct uh, the altimeter measurement in terms of the, the water vapor as the signal is going through the Earth's atmosphere. And we also need a set of uh, instrumentation that, that tells us the, a very accurate position of the spacecraft in space itself. We have a, a GPS receiver that you don't see here, it's inside. Um, we have a DORA system uh, and we have the laser retroreflector array. And can you let us know how SWAT will communicate? Data, first of all, one, two.
byte of science data every day that has to be downlinked and then processed into products. Uh, the key to being able to do that, of course, is we have a very large recorder, uh, memory recorder inside the, the module here, but then getting it out is, is the job of this antenna system, that's the X-band antenna system, that's downlinking at 600 megabit per second. Uh, and um, we also have an S-band system that's more for command and control and basic mission operations. We obviously can't take a SWAT like this in space. How will it fold and unfold after yeah. launch? So uh, the whole system is, of course, needs to be compact. It's folded off to the side of the payload module that you see here. And it, it basically deploys in three phases, one that's first coming up and then moving out, and then the antennas finally deploying on the side themselves. And then the whole system is locked in place. It's a very interesting explanation. Thank you so much, Parag. Of course. Happy to do that. Time to check in with the launch team at the Mission Director Center to see how the countdown is progressing. Megan and Denton, how are we looking? So we are T-minus 21 minutes and 59 seconds and counting until liftoff and fueling of the SpaceX Falcon 9 uh, continues, right, Denton? Yep, it's continuing. It's progressing just fine. Um, everything is moving along as, as it should. Great, great news. Uh, so the U.S. Space Force, we know, is responsible for the range, you know, making sure it's safe to fly uh, our intended trajectory. Any concerns there? Um, no, actually. Um, the range is green right now. Weather's looking good. All, all the assets in the correct configuration. And so we're all completely green right now. Talk to me about trajectories. You know, th that it's not an easy task to design no. one, right? <laughs> that, that's where a lot of the real rocket science is, is to design a trajectory. It's basically you're trying to get from the launch pad to a point in space. And along the way, there is some things you may encounter, the other, other orbiting satellites, um, some debris up there. So you have to make sure you avoid it. And the work that goes into it is very interesting interesting because the team has a very detailed uh, model of uh, analytical model of how the launch vehicle will perform and they marry that with everything that's orbiting the earth and trying to understand which paths we can take when we can launch times etc i mean there's a lot of work that goes into it and this that's where a lot of the real rocket science is done yeah and we're talking about years of work right yes yes in some cases it's, it's you know over a period of years where you kind of develop in your trajectory for the spacecraft and then also develop in the trajectory for the launch vehicle so it's it's a lot of work that goes into it yeah today's launch will uh, you know be a, a huge moment for a lot of people who have worked their trajectory mm -hmm. who have worked on this spacecraft yeah. uh, who've worked on the vehicle yeah. uh, you know it's 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 many years of of, yes, of hard work. yes. It's been 20 years since some of the folks who work on a spacecraft has been working this mission. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's going to be an exciting time for everybody. And now here they can see again their space, uh, spacecraft sitting in the payload fairing yeah. at the top of the Falcon 9 on, on the launch pad here at Vandenberg. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Space Force also monitors the weather for us. And again, let's take a look at the weather graphic we have prepared for you guys. The launch weather officer reporting 100% go for launch Amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. It's very rare to see that, but we're, we're, we're happy to have it. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of seeing, um, it seems like we are going to see the launch today, right? Visibility is looking amazing, you know, not not the typical fog we, we usually yeah. see here. Yeah, it's usually foggy here, but we're, we're in for a treat because we actually get some uh, clear day today, so we can actually see the launch vehicle. 
Yeah. And then here we see some of the venting we were talking about. Uh, you know, we, we have to vent right to maintain the right yes. kind of pressure. That is correct. I mean, and you just, you'll see this as a normal part of it. Um, you'll see it kind of cycling on and off throughout the count, just maintaining um, the appropriate pressure within the tanks. And this is venting of liquid oxygen, right? That is correct. Okay. All right. So everything is looking good. Can't wait to see this launch as we were talking about. So we'll send it back to you, Raquel and Nadia. All right. Thank you so much, Megan and Denton. Joining us now on the West Coast is Janet Petro, the Center Director for Kennedy Space Center on the East Coast in Florida. Thank you for joining us today, Janet. Oh, thank you, Raquel. Happy to be here. Great. Now, most launches take place at Kennedy, but sometimes, like today, we launch from Vandenberg. Why is that? Yeah, so um, the Launch Services Program has multiple locations where they launch from. And so, as you mentioned, we're here today on the California coast, and we have several locations uh, in Florida, but also as far away as Alaska and New Zealand. I mean, it generally depends on the science mission itself, right? The science mission and ultimately the orbit that it needs to be in um, to conduct its science. So, in general, um, we launch from the East Coast when we need an equatorial mission. Um, and then in the case of today, where we're looking more at the polar missions, we generally launch out of the um, West Coast here at Vandenberg. And tell us more about the Kennedy Space Center involvement in launches here at Vandenberg. So the Kennedy Space Center, we are very, very uh, proud to host the Launch Services Program. And we've been doing so since uh, 1998. Uh, and that program, um, I'm very proud of that program. I tend to think of them as the world-renowned experts in launch vehicles. And they really, really do understand um, all of the launch vehicles and provide a great service um, to, our to our agency. Um, they really do the end-to-end -end services on, on launching a mission. You know, they'll work with the spacecraft providers, they'll work on the, the design, um, they provide data, telemetry, and then like, you know, today we're providing the, um, the launch services, the mission assurance for uh, each of the missions. And like I said, they've been doing it since 1998. They do a really, really great job wherever, whatever location uh, the mission is going out of. So very, very proud of that, uh, proud of that program, and we host them out of the Kennedy Space Center. That's an excellent program, Janet. And what are uh, Earth-related missions that are coming up for you in the near future? Oh, um, goodness. I am so focused on this year. <laughs> you know, we just had the JPSS-2 in Lofted, um, and, now the, um, and now what we're doing today with SWAT. I'm trying to think next year. Um, we have a little bit of a break until uh, April uh, coming up. We did earlier this year launch the uh, GOES mission. Right, some ISS um, launches. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can't, and you know, of course the, um, yeah, other missions outside of the launch services program, of course we do the, the crew to the International right. Space Station, we do the cargo to the International mm -hmm. uh, Space Station, and you know, we just came from, our big mission was Artemis, and very, very uh, proud to get that. Uh, launched out of our patent. You know, we just recovered the uh, vehicle down in um, San Diego, and that was an incredible um, experience. The Exploration Ground Systems Program down at Kennedy, they're the ones responsible for the front end, the launch uh, piece uh, uh, of that uh, program, and then the recovery operation uh, here on the West Coast, and they did a, a really outstanding job. We had a tremendously busy year at the Kennedy Space Center and it's our, I like to say it's our diamond anniversary, our 60th anniversary. So it was a great way to really cap off the year with Artemis and now um, ending with the uh, uh, SWAT program here tonight. We had um, 
a record number of launches. We're, some, we're at like something like 53 launches um, that we supported from the East Coast. And, wow. and our center supports whether it launches on our property, Kennedy Space Center property, or on the Space Force property, uh, Cape Canaveral. We provide all kinds of services, whether it's our propellant services or standing up our EOC. Um, and so if you think about yeah. that, 53 launches, yes, that's about that's fantastic one, one a week, year. one yeah, a yes. week. Thank you, Janet, so much for Thank that you all. anniversary. Now, there is a growing community of scientists eager to use SWAT data. Let's go to Jasmine live at the Hawk's Nest to meet one of them. Yes, Raquel, that is right. I'm here with somebody who is also eager to get his hands on that SWAT data. Toby Minear with the Ceres Group from CU Boulder in Colorado. Welcome, Toby. Thank you. Glad are, to be here. We are so glad to have you here. You are a research hydrologist with that group. So can you tell me what are some of the applications of SWAT? Well, SWAT is amazing because it has this uh, really unique capability of measuring water levels over a big area. And so for people that are water managers in particular, um, there's a lot of excitement there because uh, we really don't have this kind of capability at present. We have to do these things from the field, individual point measurements and things like that that are very hard to make in the field. Um, and so we have a lot of interest from people that are like uh, municipal water agencies, uh, state agencies uh, for dam safety, um, federal agencies, um, all really interested in getting their hands on some water level data in particular and storage change. Um, so be very exciting to see it. It is very exciting and really what I hear you saying is that SWAT is changing the game. So what are some of those specific applications, maybe agriculture or, you know, flood zones? How is it changing our lives in our own backyard? Yeah, well, so a few things that it will change are, um, so for example, flood risk. Um, we really don't have a good sense of where flooding occurs and when and why. Um, so how much water requires uh, flooding to occur. Um, so, for example, uh, a good place for that is on the coast. Um, we don't really have very many gauges along the coast um, at the freshwater and uh, saltwater interface. And so, uh, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of changes there, a lot of changes inland um, for uh, lakes and wetlands too. Wow, that's really exciting. And I understand, Toby, you're also in this group called the Early Adopters. What is that and, and who's in that? Uh, yeah, so the Early Adopters group is about 25 different uh, organizations. Uh, they come from all over the world. And these are people that are interested in SWAT data. They've heard sort of through the grapevine that there's uh, some data coming out for water level data. And these are agencies that are non-governmental organizations. They're governmental organizations ranging from city uh, level uh, water agencies up to federal agencies. So a lot of excitement there from the, the water community. Right, very exciting. Toby, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Raquel, back to you. Thank you so much. This will be the last launch for NASA's Associate Administrator for the Science Mission Directorate, Thomas Zerbukin. During Thomas's six years in the role, he has overseen nearly 100 science missions, including SWAT, DART, the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, the Mars 2020 mission, and the James Webb Telescope. He also co-authored and authored more than 200 articles and received many agency awards. Congratulations, Thomas. Congratulations, Thomas. Yes, Thomas will be missed. Uh, he is known for his uh, energy, uh, dedication, and scientific curiosity. Uh, when I was doing my first lunch with him, Sentinel-6, uh, Mike Friley, he was very supportive. So yeah, Thomas will be missed. But congratulations, enjoy, well deserved. Absolutely, enjoy that. <laughs> uh, the president of France's space agency, CNES, Philippe Baptiste, sent us this message about today's launch. 
the result of NASA and CNES historic partnership in oceanography that all started more than 30 years ago with Topex Poseidon is really essential. And I am very proud to send you this message and to be with you, at least in spirit, for this lounge. I want to say once again a few words how proud CNES and its team are to be involved in this ambitious international adventure alongside NASA. SWOT is the first space mission to survey the planet's freshwater resources on a global scale. The water elevation of lakes and water courses, the discharge of rivers, and the fine dynamics of the oceans are all vital data that are going to help us better adapt to climate change. In this respect, SWOT truly marks a revolution for space hydrology and we are proud to be embarking on this endeavor with the French community of scientists, of users and of course with our industry. I wish you a successful launch and go SWOT, go! Go SWAT! Climate change is a topic front and center for everyone, including NASA. Joining us now is NASA's Sandra Conley. Thank you for joining us, Sandra. Thank you for having me. Now, as a leader in science, what does it mean to be part of this mission? Oh man, this is such an exciting mission. You know, it's unprecedented in many ways. It's going to be the mission that, for the first time ever, we're measuring surface water around the world. Freshwater sources, saltwater sources, how they ebb and flow and, and move in between each other, how the energy is transferred across those water bodies and also with the environment. And it's really going to help us improve our weather forecasting ability and our climate prediction abilities. It's a real trailblazer. Now, SWAT is a joint mission between NASA and CNES. Climate change knows no boundaries, so why is it important for a mission to be an international collaboration? So, science knows no boundaries, right? So our scientists are from all around the world and this partnership with CNES is tremendously important. It spans over 30 years on ocean altimetry missions. And that's not even counting other partnerships that we have with, with CNES to achieve our science. So we're looking forward to many, many more missions together with them. Well, uh, Sandra, as you know, SWAT is the first uh, science team that fully complies with open science requirement. Can you tell us more about uh, NASA's open science paradigm and how do we kick off uh, the year of open science with SWAT? You know, that's a great question. Um, so, our space satellites give us a really unique vantage point to observe the Earth, right? So, um, we're able to look at it as a global system, right? And and the, um, the data that we've collected through our satellites over the 50 years allow us to really look at the, the ground, the atmosphere, and the oceans. And what open science and open data is going to enable us to do is to take that to the next level and give it to the individual user, whether they're decision makers at the local level, at the regional level, or even tribal communities, is to give that information to people so that they can make informed decisions regardless of their business. You don't need to actually be a scientist or an engineer moving forward to be able to leverage this data and apply it to your day-to-day -day business. Looking forward to the data. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you. Now, let's head over to our commentators. We are T minus seven minutes our launch of the Falcon 9 rocket from Vandenberg Space Force Base. Megan and Denton will navigate us through that terminal count. 
Yeah, just under eight minutes to lift off, and we are looking fantastic for launch. Weather is a go. Uh, no collision concerns on the range for our instantaneous opportunity to launch at 3.46 and 47 seconds Pacific time. Uh, we see a live shot of the Falcon 9 sitting on launch pad 4 East here at Vandenberg Space Force Base. Uh, this reusable two-stage rocket standing about 230 feet tall. The first stage is the bottom two-thirds of what you see there. That's called the booster. Uh, uh, and then at the uh, right over that, you see this black piece there. That's the interstage adapter, which connects the first and second stage. And then at the very top, the payload fairing. And you see SWAT uh, painted on there. SWAT is tucked safely inside of it, folded up to about the size of a mid-sized car. Engine chill. And we just heard the call out first for a stage one engine shield and and basically what that is is just the getting the engine ready for the flow of the cold cold temperatures so it's just kind of like if you imagine if you were to jump in a really cold pool and you you know your muscles tense up and everything else and you we don't necessarily want that with the engine so we slowly start to bleed in those um liquid oxygen to kind of bring it down to the temperature that it'll be seen during flight so that's and that's really what that is it's really preserving um the stress on the engines and is getting ready for flight. Yeah, that was a great analogy. So, yeah. yeah, you made me cold thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we see some of that uh, liquid oxygen venting off now, both the first and second stages, right? Yeah, and that and you're seeing that because the, the boost is very, very cold because that liquid oxygen is inside there. And um, soon you hear the call out for stage one uh, RPO leaks. They're wrapping up um, fueling of, of the stage. Um, of the stage one right now, and so we should hit a call out here in a few seconds. Stage one locks load is complete. And so SpaceX is also loading helium stage gas. Stage one fuel load correction. Into both stages, and uh, we'll, con we'll continue to top off until about a minute and a half before launch. Uh, Falcon 9 uses helium as a pressurant, meaning it uses helium to maintain pressure in the tanks as liquid oxygen and RP-1 are consumed by the engines during ascent. The first stage has nine Merlin engines, hence the name Falcon 9. The second stage has a single Merlin vacuum or MVAC engine, so you'll often hear uh, references to MVAC throughout the count. Yeah. Next call out will come in just a couple of seconds. You'll hear that the spacecraft is on internal power and configured for a launch. That just means that the spacecraft is now running on batteries versus getting power from the strong back you see there. Tanks are pressing for strong back retract. And the strong back is getting ready to retract. The strong back is, is that mechanical structure you see um, just, just to the right of the vehicle. And they, they're just pressing up the tanks and getting ready for that. You'll see it tilt back slightly initially. And then when, when we get closer to launch, you will see it tilt about 45 degrees back, um, get out of the way. So, you know, the Falcon 9 can clear the pad with no issues. And that tilt starts when you see that cradle. It's kind of like... Uh... Uh, a hug <laughs> around yeah. just at the base of the payload fairing they'll you, you'll see those arms start to open mm -hmm. and that will allow for the strong back to start tilting backwards yes that is correct and you can see from the video you can see that that cradle's opening up and then you'll see uh, a few seconds after that's completed you know, the strong back will tilt back slightly and now we're going to pause for an upcoming poll here on countdown one. 
MLM copies. MLM is the launch manager for this mission, NASA's launch manager for this mission. Again, we see that strong back retracting, and you see those connections between the strong back and the uh, rocket. Those are umbilicals, and that's what continues to feed uh, the rocket with liquid, electricity, gases, right up until launch, right? That is correct. And um, what, what, what we're, we're waiting to hear right now is just the SpaceX team confirming with the NASA launch manager that the team, team is ready to go. And so LD, NLM, countdown one. LD, go ahead. NASA is go for SWAT launch. There you go. Perfect news. Stage NASA one lock load complete. Launch. Stage one pogo. Yep, and you heard the team is all good, good to go. And so right now, stage one lock load is complete. Um, at this point in time, the stage one is completely filled with fuel. We're just waiting for them to top off the stage two tank. And today we're going to be treated to some sonic booms since the booster will land right back here at Vandenberg Space Force Base, just about a thousand feet from where it's going to launch. Yes, which is always exciting to see. I mean, it's just so fascinating that the booster is going to land basically right, just very close to where it took off from. Yeah, that's going to be great. And as you said, again, because vis visibility is so great, great we won't, won't just see the launch. We're yeah. also going to see that booster coming back to land. Yeah, and it, it's key. It's taking everything I have to stay inside and not go outside and see this <laughs> with my own two eyes. No, you have to sit in here with me. <laughs> and in these last few minutes, Falcon 9 is performing final health checks uh, on its primary communications, avionics, and propulsion systems in preparation for flight. This is the rock. Range is green. And we just heard that call out that the range is good. And we should surely we should be hearing the call out for that uh, stage two locks load is complete. And then at that point, all of the propellants will be loaded onto stage the vehicle. Stage two locks load complete. You just heard that call out. So all the propellants are done loading. And at this point in time, we're just getting gearing up for Falcon 9 to go into startup, which is basically the computer taking over and going through its last set of uh, configurations and checks to make sure that we're good for launch um, leading into T0. And remember how Denton was telling us earlier, you know, we see uh, the amount of liquid oxygen coming off of, uh, of the rocket fluctuating throughout the count here. That's what we're seeing again yeah. to maintain that pressure, the correct pressure in both stages. Yep. And what you're seeing right now is them venting the locks that was in the, the um, umbilical tower nine. So it's venting that out and getting it all ready for, to go for launch. Falcon 9 is in startup. And we just heard that call up. Falcon 9 is in startup, which means the flight computer is taken over and is just preparing for its initial launch sequence. And now both stages are pressurizing for launch. Next call out in just a couple of seconds. Launch director, go for launch. SpaceX launch director confirming go for launch. Range remains go, weather is go. This launch will mark the 100th first mission of NASA's Launch Services Bro Program based at Kennedy Space Center. 15 seconds. Here we go. 10, 9, nine. 8, 7, 6, 5, Four, three, two, one, engine ignition, and liftoff. Liftoff of SWAT, our first global survey of Earth's surface water to study how this ever-changing resource affects our climate.
there we get a nice view from the ground camera and also we switch to the onboard camera. Now, Denton, you didn't go outside to see the launch, but now we're feeling it inside here in the Mission Director Center, the rumble all around us from launch. Absolutely. And now you're getting a good look at the onboard camera looking down towards the aft end of the rockets. You can see the, the Merlin engines coming to life there. And this room Number coming to life, really. <laughs> Lots of rumble going on in here. And we're soon going to hear that the rocket is supersonic, meaning it's going faster than the speed of sound, followed by Falcon 9 reaching what's called Max Q, the moment of peak mechanic stress on the rocket. Yeah. Look, we get nice views. Falcon 9 is supersonic. Just heard a call off for supersonic. Getting a good shot of looking at the onboard camera. Max Q. We just stepped through Max Q. Next call are going to come. Chill. And back engine chill, which means getting the second stage engine ready to start. And so which means we'll be coming up on stage separation shortly, followed by stage two ignition. We see this beautiful shot of all of the uh, Merlin engines, all nine of them lit up. That's what 1.7 million pounds of thrust look Lots like. Lots of thrust. So the next callouts are going to come in quick succession, so let me walk through them really quick. So at T plus 2 minutes and 15 seconds, we're going to have main engine cutoff, that's MECO, meaning the nine Merlin engines on the first stage are going to shut down, and then a few seconds after that, stage 1 and 2 will separate, stage 1 will do a flip and do a boost back burn to orient itself back towards Earth for that landing here at the uh, Space Force base. And there we get a good shot of looking at the interstage. Basically, Nico. the camera is looking up towards the second Stage separation stage. confirmed. And we just, and there you go. Live video of stage one and two separating. MVAC ignition. And there's a good look at the MVAC ignition coming, the MVAC engine coming to life. That's great. You are seeing the stage one booster do its flip. And now the engine bell of the MVAC engine lit up. This is a camera shot of stage one here, again on its way back to Earth. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to see the payload fairing jettison. Fairing separation confirmed. We just heard a call out for fairing separation and there's a good onboard view of the SWAT spacecraft and you can see the fairing is gone at this point in time. Another camera shot here of the engine on the second stage continuing to carry SWAT to its intended target. We have a couple of uh, camera views of this engine here, so you might see uh, a the couple stage of different one, angles. Shut down. Yeah, and, it, and then you'll see it cycling through the views of the stage, um, stage two engine. And um, as we get closer to the separation, it'll, it'll go back towards the spacecraft. And we just heard a call out for the boost back burn ending on stage both stages one. stages are on nominal trajectories. And that call out was just to say both stage one and stage two doing what they were expecting them yeah. to do. And we're hoping to get a video of stage one landing. So sometimes we don't always get it because of it's coming in so fast and sometimes it's hard to capture. So occasionally, occasionally sometimes we don't get it um, all the way, but we're hoping to get a good video this time. T plus four minutes and 10 seconds into the launch of SWAT, and we've had a nominal ascent so far, no issues to report. 
Again, this is a video of a live shot of uh, the engine on stage two. SWAT stands for Surface Water and Ocean Topography, and this will be the first mission to provide high-definition data on more than 90% of the water on our planet's surface. It's a joint mission between NASA and CNES, France's space agency, with contributions from both the Canadian and UK space agencies. SWAT is the fourth NASA LSP science mission to launch from Vandenberg Space Force Base and the sixth LSP science mission overall to launch on a Falcon 9, Denton. Yes, and, and we got a, a lot more missions coming up on the Falcon. Yeah, to see uh, the partnership really grow for you, too. I mean, again, yeah. you, you really work from SpaceX from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing, seeing their evolution over the, the years has been amazing to watch. So coming up, we're going to see uh, the booster begin its entry burn soon. And again, that entry burn is to slow it down as it, as it approaches Earth for uh, the landing here back at the base instead of a drone ship. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome to see it come back to land. And as, I, as I mentioned before, seeing it landing right very close to where it took off from is awesome. So then how does this work? So again, we're going to have the entry burn that slows it down, and yeah. then there's a landing burn, right. right? Yeah, so you have the boost back burn that kind of gets it back towards the, the launch pad, and then the entry burn kind of slows it down as it's coming into the atmosphere, and then you have the landing burn that basically puts it down gently on the pad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, SpaceX has become real pros at landing yeah. their boosters. Absolutely. And it's becoming routine for them at this point in time, and so this is just a normal course of business for them. Again, we are looking live at stage two. Stage one entry burn. And we just heard the call out for stage one entry burn. Means it's coming back into the Earth's atmosphere. And we, there we go, we got a good video of it. Yeah, so you can see those hypersonic grid fans uh, illuminated by the flame from, uh, from the booster. Those, stage one FTS is safe. You see that the screen went black there. That's because they just the shut, shut down, down the down engine. engine. That's correct. Both stages are on all trajectories. But I was talking about those hypersonic grid fins that you see. Those help guide the Falcon 9 booster back down towards Earth. So now that we're done with the entry burn, the next burn is the landing burn. Mm -hmm. It's just one engine right just before it touches down. Correctly. Just gently set it, set it down on the pad. The next milestone for the second stage is going to stage be... Stage 1 is transonic. Seco 1. Yeah, and Seco 1 is the first shutdown of the second stage engine. And we're, uh, for this mission, we're going to have two burns. So you'll stage see after stage 2 shuts down, it'll coast for a while. And then we got a good video of stage 1. It's about to land. How exciting. Coming in for its uh, landing burn there. Again, the grid fins moving ever so slightly to make sure that it's coming down exactly how they want it to come down. Yep, and you can see the pad coming into view. There it is. Wow, the sonic booms. And then the sonic booms. Trademark sonic booms. Wow. And good touchdown of the stage one. Touchdown. Perfect. Stage oh. one landing is confirmed. So glad to see that live yep. video. Again, sometimes yes. we don't get it. That was amazing to see. Yes. And feel, really. Yes. <laughs> see and feel, and we get to use this booster again. Yeah, yeah. Again, six, this, would, this is the sixth flight of this booster. That is right. Okay, so we are still awaiting, again, that shutdown of, two FTS is saved. of the second, uh, uh, of of second, the second stage. stage, yes. 
And when it does shut down, it's going to be over the Pacific Ocean, just west of the southern tip of Baja, California. Again, exactly where we want it to be, following that well-thought-out yeah. planned trajectory. Yep, and the team is reporting back. Everything's looking nominal. Stage two, it's right where it's supposed to be and looking good. And back shut down. And we should see MVAC shutdown coming up here shortly. And there we go. Yep, Seco 1. Nominal parking orbit. Confirmed. That's the trajectory you're seeing. It's flying south from where it just launched. And it'll continue to fly south down towards Ant Antarctica. And so again, everything going as expected so far. The second stage is now going to coast for about 30 minutes. You can see that it is shut down there from that view. And, and this is a view of the spacecraft. Again, because the payload fairing has been jettisoned, you see SWAT right there on your screen. Exposed now that we don't need the payload fairing Correct. to safely get it out of the atmosphere. Yeah. Correct. And yeah, once the, I mean, the whole purpose of the fairing is to protect it while the vehicle is flying through the atmosphere at supersonic uh, speeds. And then once you get up out of the atmosphere, there's nothing to, to harm the spacecraft. So you can jettison that ex extra weight and give your vehicle a lot more performance once you get rid of that extra weight. Okay. The engine not glowing orange as it had before, because again, it is shut off. So it will coast for about 30 minutes with SWAT attached to it uh, before some maneuvers are needed to keep it on the right trajectory, again, to get it in the orbit that we want it in. So mm -hmm. Denton and I are going to be back uh, then with you to walk you through those operations. But for now, we're going to send it back to Raquel and Nadia, who I'm sure are very excited to talk about how the experience launched today. Ooh, that is right, Megan and Denton. Just 10 minutes ago, we watched a spectacular launch from Vandenberg here in California. Nadia, describe what was going through your mind at that time. What a spectacular, truly spectacular launch. It was a, a, a very bright uh, splash in the sky, a very loud one too. What an entrance. Uh, welcome uh, to the era of, uh, of SWAT. Uh, very excited. I had some cheering going on oh, here yeah. at the desk. <laughs> yes, and the car went off, yes. Yeah, we had car alarms going off. It was really exciting yeah. here for our view. Now, soon the SWAT satellite on board will separate from the spacecraft. SWAT stands for Surface Water and Ocean Topography. The satellite will survey nearly all the water on Earth's surface in unprecedented detail. SWAT will provide insights into how the ocean influences climate change, how a warming world affects lakes and rivers, and how communities can better prepare for disasters like floods. And we are covering every angle of the SWAT mission from the new data the satellite will provide to how it is paving the way for future NASA Earth missions. Now, SWAT is a culmination of work by a global team of engineers, scientists, and technicians committed to improving our understanding of Earth. Let's get to know some of the people behind the mission.